This episode of Equity is presented by MetaLab. MetaLab designs and builds products for companies that are expecting massive growth. Slack, YouTube, and Uber are just a few of the startups that hired MetaLab on their way to becoming household names. They're the product agency that helped design the original version of Slack and the YouTube player that is still in use today. Last year, MetaLab collaborated with the founding teams at Neuralink and Pitch. Unlike a lot of other agencies, MetaLab doesn't claim to be full service. They do one thing and they do it really well, and that's digital products. If you're ready to build a product for millions of people, then visit metalab.com. Tell them TechCrunch Equity sent you. Hey, everybody, stick around after the show. We have TechCrunch's Jordan Crook here to tell us all about the upcoming early stage event for founders, and I think she has a discount code, so we'll see you there. Hello and welcome back to Equity, TechCrunch's venture capital-focused podcast where we unpack the numbers behind the headlines. This is our Wednesday show where we niche down to a single topic, theme, or idea, or concept. My name is Alex Wilhelm and I am joined today by Danny Crichton. Danny, hello. I'm, I'm doing all right. How are you? I, I'm excited for the number of companies in the YC batch, which I hear is now greater than the number of atoms in the universe. Actually true. And Danny missed my question there because it's so cold on the East Coast. Our brains have actually turned into ice and therefore this is where we are. Also, we have Natasha Moscarenas. How are you doing? Guys, I think it's been one year since I have been on equity considering it's demo day once again. And I think the first time oh I gosh. joined. And we have yet to actually meet you. <laughs> It'll be great to meet you someday. It would be great, Danny. Um, yeah, we've never met in real life, which is sad. But it is super great to still be on the show. Thanks for not firing me. Well, what we can do is in, when the world works again and you're in Jersey and Danny's in New York and I'm here, we can all coagulate in the middle, which is like Connecticut. Isn't that what Connecticut's for, I think? I think the middle is New York City. No, it's, it's, a, it's a cognitive middle. There's nothing okay. beyond Ninth Avenue. <laughs> We're not going to Connecticut. <laughs> I, I don't understand that joke because I don't think New York is the center of the universe. Um, all right. Listen, what are we doing today? We're going to redo that intro, I'm sure. But uh, we are talking about Y Combinator. The demo day is coming up and we have a number of our favorite startups from the batch. Now, to be clear, this is not all the cool startups in the batch. There are a bajillion startups in the batch. And so we went through, we picked some of our favorites, looked at who TechCrunch has covered so far. We talked to a couple of VCs, got some input from them. We made Chris read every single entry in the list. And so we have pulled 11 favorites. We'll be watching Demo Day next week. So this is a bit of a preview of what's to come. And Natasha, we have a couple of categories here. Can you tell people groupings we're talking about? Every batch YC kind of divides its startups into specific areas of focus. We don't have that helper this time. So this was purely equity finding trends itself. Um, the first one we're going to look at is startup serving startups, a very normal feature of the YC cohort. Then we're going to look at marketplaces. We're going to do a hard pivot into space and then yeah. end with biotech. So it's going to be a mixed bag, which are the best kinds of shows. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to kick off with the startups serving startups category and Brio HR, which I will talk about because I wrote about it. Brio HR covered them because they'd raised $1.3 ahead of Demo Day. In a nutshell, they're doing HR software for Southeast Asia. Think about like performance reviews, payroll, all that kind of stuff. You can roll into a software package, stuff that has become, I don't know, Danny, mature in the US market, I would say. It's very mature. I mean, obviously, Workday is the big horse here. Workday is a global company, but as we're seeing, there's a lot of HR rules that are very country specific and even region specific. So I think with Brio HR, they're really trying to focus, I believe, on Southeast Asia, lots of new markets, lots of new people coming on board, and then also a ton of people who go overseas and come back. So for instance, in the Philippines, you have a huge migratory uh, population that goes to other countries, comes back, 
I think they're trying to cover all these sort of new work components. Yeah. And I talked to uh, uh, the founder, I think it was Benjamin Kroc, also founded by Nabil Oudgiri. What they're doing is they're rolling out payroll support on a country by country basis as they can. And so that's mm-hmm. the most complex thing because payroll is local taxes and healthcare and all sorts of stuff. So that's, I think, in one or two countries. And they'll be rolling that out uh, to more as the year goes along. Natasha. I think we see this format with YC companies all the time, a internationalization of a startup or a company that exists in the U.S. or a different market. I think Brio HR is one of those examples, though, that we can't really make fun of because it makes a lot more sense than taking, I don't know, like Brex 4X. Actually, Brex 4X still makes sense, too. I'll think of a bad example of when it makes sense. But this one, actually, payroll is very complicated. So would love to see this kind of innovation. (laughs) No, I I like it, too. We're going to move on to first base which is kind of like a way to get people set up for remote work at home, Natasha? Yeah. So First Base basically handles a distributed workforce that needs to be onboarded. So actually, a ton of my friends are at the two plus year mark of working at their first jobs out of college. As they get their new jobs, they have to get the laptops, they have to get the paperwork. And usually an internal IT team has to do this whole in-person onboarding for you. That's what happened when I joined TechCrunch. And this company is trying to make it a lot easier to bring people on. And I love that it's doing both hardware and software onboarding. Yeah. So the Mac, even the Peloton. Uh, can you imagine like getting fired and then they're like, uh, hey, can you send back the Peloton now? And you'd be like, <laughs> no, why did I fail my performance review? You mean I have to return my iPhone 4 to the parent company? <laughs> Actually, I, I do have a work iPhone from Verizon and eventually they're going to take it back and then I can't use my free tethering from it forever. <laughs> uh, First Base is founded by Mark Milostivy. And Danny, on a scale of one to five, how do you feel about the first base idea? I think it's interesting. Uh, I think they're only a first base and they need to get a second base, third base, and a home run to get all the way there. But it's a good place to start for a company. That is the most generic medium answer I've ever gotten. We'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> Danny must have been a really like nice VC, though. Like, wasn't su- super mean to their face. You know, these are, again, it's always with YC companies. They're very early. Oftentimes there's only, I mean, I don't know about this specific company, but there are only two or three folks. You got to have the right taste for these, right? It's in the right space. Physical equipment tracking is a huge problem. They just mailed me a laptop, but then it was a long, wrong laptop. So I got to mail back and then it had to go somewhere else. And it's being mailed to people's homes because we don't have a mail center open. So like, this is actually a real problem. So I, I, I see a problem. There's a solution. It's early. I think it's interesting. Yeah. This is what I joined Verizon Media Group the second time. They mailed my laptop to my house and I went to Boston for my, my onboarding. So I didn't have a computer. <laughs> And then I was, I just sat in a dark room and watched a TV thing. And then I just came home again. And I was like, oh my God. so it's hard is what I'm saying. Like they're not like, this is a problem. All right. We're going to scoot on to, I think the most controversial startup in this batch guys. And this is content fly. I think so. I want to trash this one, but that, that's not for them. Okay. Well, Danny, uh, why don't you tell people what content fly does? And then, and then your, uh, your, your take content fly is a on demand writing service for business. So obviously content marketing has become more and more important for more and more companies. More and more people are churning out LinkedIn posts and blog posts by the hour. Content fly goes into a, a world of there's actually a bunch of companies in the space, which is also the other challenge here, but they basically charge, I guess, what? It looks like 8,000 words a month is about 625. What's the yeah, exact paid annually. They have a slider on their site that kind they've of- They've paid even... annually. <laughs> Annual contracts for writers. Unbelievable. So it's meant to be the sort of on-demand, instant writing service. I gotta be honest here. I mean, obviously we're writers, so uh, we take particular offense to this, but like, let's say you want to do content marketing. I mean, the, 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 beyond VC jobs, the second most common thing I get out reach for from recruiters is like, do you want to be a content marketer? And yeah. I always go like, can I do anything actually interesting or unique that would actually differentiate your crappy company? I almost said a PG-13 word there. Um, your crappy company from all the other dreck that's out there in the market. And the answer is almost always no. 
And so to me, like what's crazy here is like, it's not a writing problem. It's always a strategy problem. It's always a leadership problem for these companies. So I think content fly, interesting, huge space, bunch of companies up against a lot of competitors. Wish them luck. Not really. Uh, yeah, I, I, you're right, Danny, and calling out that we are writers talking about a startup that's trying to make writers work for less money. So, of course, we're going to, you know, be a little angsty about it. On their website, one of the Q&A points was, how do you keep your fee so low? And they said, in exchange for consistent work, our writers work for rates far lower than your average industry freelancers. I mean, I, I, I that makes me sorry. You can't see my face, listeners, yeah, but I'm yeah. like not okay. I, I guess it's like why take advantage of the fact that freelancing is such a hustle that just for consistent work we're going to pay you less. I don't think that's how it should work, and I don't think that's like us being in our heads about it, Alex. Two things about this: one, I know some people who do work in marketing and copywriting, and to actually do a good job of that's pretty tough because you have to match brand voice and kind of all that crap and know something about what you're talking about. It, it's not it's not easy, and it also pays often pretty well if you're actually a, a an, an elite person at it. If you're doing like ghostwriting for VCs, which is standard, by the way, no VC can write, turns out, or like three can, the rest of them just cheat. That pays really, really well. So I don't know what you're going to get for this amount of money. I will say there are some startups that are doing some neat stuff in this space. Copy.ai is using GPT-3 to auto-generate ideas for companies for like marketing copy and tweets and so forth. Oh and then God. you pick between them. And, <laughs> this uh, is only getting worse. You're, it's I, only going farther into the quicksand. Maybe, maybe, but uh, yeah, I don't have a great positive take on content flight other than I bet you businesses will love the idea of getting cheap writing. I just, I'm very curious to see what comes out the other end. I think like automation is more the future if you want cheap writing than hiring freelancers. That's the copy yeah. at that point. But I mean, like, I mean, Contentfly is 15 employees. We're hearing that it has already closed a deal between two top tier VCs anyways. So we might completely be offending people, but that is fine. Let's move on to our next one. <laughs> Rent the Runways. First iOS team launched Runway, which is the exact kind of storyline we love during YC. Who wants to talk about Runway? You no longer have to rent it. You just get it. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought? In all seriousness, Runway tries to make the mobile app release cycle a lot easier. So it integrates with other startups. This is still part of our startup serving startups category. So Runway just tries to make the entire progress of an app's release from the communication to the getting onto the app store itself a lot better. And its early customers are ClassPass, Kickstarter, and it will be around $400 per app per month. What do you guys think? I, I think it's brilliant. I mean, uh, you know, as a former developer, I don't develop a whole lot anymore. It's a huge problem, right? It, coordinating so many releases across different OSs, internationally, globally, different app stores. There's just so much that goes involved in this, particularly for early stage teams when you don't have DevOps. And I guess there's a release ops category these days. But like, this is a real challenge. It's maybe not the most infinite market. I, I could see this as like a nice entree into the developer stack. And again, as with all these companies. So I, I think it's too cheap is my first read of this because if you're putting together an app that has this many components going into it surely to have kind of a unified not not cohesion function but like something that lets everything kind of go in the same direction is worth a lot of money and this company founded by isabel barrera matt varghese david fillion and gabriel savit it's gonna be fun to see how they can go up market if they can go up market pretty quickly they can charge a lot more money for it because big companies have lots of dollars so, so i'm excited about this one pedigree of course is a lot of fun but let's wrap up the startup serving startup section with mono a startup that wants to build Plaid for Africa. So Danny, this is another kind of like idea taken to a different market, but with a focus on Nigeria, which has, I think, 200 million people in it. This uh, has a lot of market to play with. Well, and it's one of the fastest growing markets, right? Nigeria, I believe, is one of the fastest growing countries, particularly in terms of absolute population numbers. So fast growing economies, lots of people moving on to mobile. 
um, early mobile devices, often by Huawei and others uh, from the cheaper kind of selection of, of mobile phones. But clearly, a lot of payments volume is going through here. You know, I, I think in the West, we often talk about M-Pesa and some of the other sort of telecom. I believe that's East Africa. But uh, to me, like, there's a huge opportunity to win this. Now, the question is, again, tons of entrants. If I recall, Stripe backed a, a company in this space, I want to say last year. No, they, they, bought, they bought Paystack. Oh, they bought. They bought there it. And I believe that one of these founders, I forget if it's uh, Prakar Singh or Abdul Hassan, but when I read the post, one of them actually was from that company. So one of them is actually a Paystack alum. So that's kind of cool. One point that they make to our reporter in the story that we wrote about them was that we're at a point where we've grown and joining YC gives us credibility for people to trust us with their information online because online fraud is so big in the markets that they're trying to grow into. So I thought it was interesting. I don't think I hear that too often. I think maybe subtly it's like, okay, YC obviously is a signal, but I don't know how often it is. We need the signal for credibility for users more than VCs. I mean, it's funny you say that because companies often talk about going public as a great way to lock in major like European enterprise customers because then they feel like this company is more stable. It's going to stick around. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get acquired by Microsoft. So maybe like a YC pedigree is like an IPO for a startup. It's like this stamp of not going to die very quickly. Really briefly, Belvo is doing plaid for latin america it feels similar to this i've talked to them they're doing well and mono has raised a half million dollar pre-seed investment from just reading our little list here lateral capital golden palm investments and rally cap i'm going to keep talking because i happen to know the next company uh pangea so i live in providence rhode island uh, a, a city that i actually really like and i had just gotten to know a little bit of the startup scene before covid hit and i couldn't go outside anymore but I happen to have the founder, one of the co-founders of this company, Adam Albert. He was in my social group. He's been to my house. He's played poker with me. And he was working on this little idea called Pangea. And I've known him for, uh, gosh, a couple of years now. And he put together this little seed round. And then he put, raised some more money and kind of kept growing. Just like the type of person who runs through walls, you know, like just doesn't give up. And since then, they closed a $400,000 seed round in April. They raised a bunch more money. They now raised just under 900 k including their YC check. Pangea is a college freelancer marketplace connecting usually kind of SMB to mid-sized businesses to things that college kids are good at, like Photoshop, social media, kind of all that stuff. I'm, I'm kind of hyped for them. It's kind of fun to see a, a local hometown Providence startup make it through YC with some pretty impressive growth. Yeah, I mean, we saw 50,000 in transactions between college freelancers and businesses in the last four weeks. A year ago, the number was around 3,000 or 4,000. So obviously it had a great pandemic. Alex, tell me how it's different than like a traditional freelancer marketplace. Like what do you say like moat is? I think target and focus. They do a lot of outreach to campuses. They have people on campuses, I think, to actually help bring in the right people. And then by kind of niching down to things that they can properly staff, it's not a place where you go to hire someone to like either mow your lawn or help you lawyer your IPO. It's like, what do these college kids who need job experience, what are they good at? What do companies need that can help these people get that experience? And then I think down the road, they have bigger plans to get into like job placements and that Mm. sort of thing. But, you know, in the pandemic, there's an enormous demand for remote labor and college kids are often stuck at home. And so you can do digital work. I think it's going to be pretty cool. The thing that I'll throw in that we'll move on is that it's grown its GMV sequentially by 35 percent in each of the last two months. So that's the kind of growth I think every YC company wants to have something rapid, something big to show in a shiny chart during demo day. So looking forward to seeing that. But Queenly. Let's talk about it. Yes. So Queenly, hear me out. Queenly is a company that basically helps anyone buy a formal dress. And mm. it's kind of like you people compare a lot to Rent the Runway. I think the better comparison is like Stock X. It's these very premium dresses that people use for a variety of occasions, whether it's weddings, whether it's 
pageants, which is how the two co-founders stumbled upon this idea of themselves doing pageants and helps them buy the dresses you need and only want to wear once at a discount price and from other people who've owned those dresses before. I'm curious. I mean, I, I get run through runway, right? If you go to a lot of parties, particularly with the same social circuit, you know, you don't want to have the same dress over and over again. You want to mix, right? So you want to show up with different things. So rent the runway kind of gives you that novelty factor. Like who wants to buy a formal dress at this price point and then hold on to it? Yeah, it's a good question. So part of Queenly's selling point is that once you buy the dress, you can also put it back on the platform and sell it once again. I think even more than wearing your prom dress five years later at like a wedding you get invited to or something. No one wants to wear the same pageant dress twice because there's so many pictures of you in it. And I just feel like I really relate to that pain point of not wanting to have all these expensive dresses in my closet and not wanting to buy all of them fresh off the shelf either. One piece that was, I think, notable to me is even during quarantine, they had half a million in sales last year. Hey. Yeah, which I was super shocked about. And you think about like, pandemic weddings and Zoom pageants. And there has been a lot of transition of these in-person events to online. But that was a huge surprise to me when I was talking to the co-founders. Also, I like their model. Sellers get 80% of the sale price. So it seems to be a fair cut between the owners of dresses and the platform. And also, look, I know that I am not a very fashionable person, but a lot of people really enjoy that form of artistic self-expression. And I'm here for it. So like, this is pretty cool. And I can see a lot of my friends using this, frankly. You know, the only two things I'll add is one, they don't have returns yet. That needs to be something that they do. And then two, they've raised 800000 from a variety of investors, including the former CEO of Stitch Fix, former CTO of Uber, and are taking the Y Combinator winter cohort to navigate pandemic growth and different use cases. So a lot more to come from that team. Big shout out to the two founders behind Queenly. We have Trisha Bantigue and Kathy Zhu. And they will both be people to watch going forward. Let's do a hard pivot into space, though, because we're all huge space fans after our show with Daryl. I've been a huge space fan since I was a wee little boy reading sci-fi. And now, okay, take I'm, it back. now I'm an average-sized <laughs> man who loves sci-fi. I'm a big, big dweeb for space and rockets and getting out there and doing stuff. And so when I met Topher Haddad from Albedo, which is albedo.space, that's a URL, but don't call them Albedo Space, call them Albedo because that's their name. We spent like 40 minutes talking about like low orbit satellites, in orbit refueling, the future of space tech, getting higher resolution, more frequent images of the planet. It's awesome. Also, it's a satellite company, so it's very, very nascent. So they are not in space yet. They are doing working with like uh, suppliers and potential customers, refining their business, looking to raise more capital. I, I, I presume that I'm not speaking for them, but satellites take money. So they're going to need more money eventually. And I just want to say, I love seeing this kind of audacious and ambitious thing out of YC. It's cool to build software. It's easier than putting a constellation of low orbit satellites in space that have to refuel using electric propulsion. What? So <laughs> I'm just, super, I just, I just wanted to bring it up because I, I think this is one of the coolest things I've heard about in some time. The commercial application is higher resolution, more frequent images of the earth, which hits uh, everyone from you know hedge funds looking for trends to retailers, to utility companies and so forth. We're going to move on to biotechs. We're a little bit low on time. And we're going to lean on Danny here, who's going to explain to us why pipe line bio is the jam. Yeah, so it's, it's pipe and then the Unix pipe character and then bio. So that is really hard to explain to other people, as is the company itself. So uh, pipe pipe bio, as I'm calling it, is focused on finding uh, therapeutic antibodies faster. So it's offering sort of a cloud infrastructure platform for being able to process a large amount of DNA sequencing 
data. So over the last 20, 30 years, ever since the Human Genome Project in the 90s, we've had an explosion of the amount of DNA, RNA, mRNA, tnRNA, all the RNAs and NAs you want being sequenced. And so we actually have this infinite information. For the last 10 years, there's been a huge focus on genomics and then proteonomics, so all the proteins that come out of those genomics. And so that just means you have a massive big data problem and there's not a lot of great infrastructure to actually parse through it, figure out patterns, figure out what you want to do next. And so there's a belief, I think, for a lot of startup founders that, you know, we have a lot of therapeutics in the data set if only we could analyze it. So Pipe, Pipe Bio, as I'm calling it, is focused on this particular task. They're trying to identify stuff in the data and they're doing it in a high throughput. So super interesting. Founders are Danik Benson and Owen Bodley, both out of the bio industry. Brings a lot of detail to the team. If that didn't help, let me read a little bit from their blurb, which I think will clear things up. Um, we have primarily focused on analysis of, uh, of AFA bodies, but the platform can be very easily be configured to other scaffolds such as Knotten's, bicyclic peptides, DARPins, and et cetera, which I think clears it all up entirely. I think it's now, it's now entirely uh, limited to I was to like, me. oh my God, I was following you until you said one word. And then- By the way, I almost said antibodies, it. not AFA bodies, because I've never seen the word AFA bodies before. Anyways, uh, we got one last cool company from this batch. Of course, TechCrunch will be watching Demo Day, more coverage on the site, more coverage on ExtraCrunch. As always, we, we really dork out about this sort of thing. But Danny, Nuntius Therapeutics, I think? Yeah, we're calling it Nuntius, so N-U-N-T-I-U-S. They're focused on cell-specific DNA, RNA, and CRISPR therapy. So if you followed anything of the COVID-19 vaccine trials over the last, I believe this is the Moderna platform, and you, you've heard this term vaccine platforms before. The hardest part to a lot of the modern vaccines and other therapies you've seen is actually delivering the DNA or RNA into the cell so it actually is, is delivered to where it needs to go. It's actually a vehicle, if you will, in like a metaphor. And so Nutias is focused on, to my understanding, of creating more of these sorts of payloads so that you can deliver these new therapies to exactly where they need to go with the least number of side effects. That's actually a really interesting place. They're focused on a pipeline of therapies that include what they say are incurable rare diseases. Super interesting. Obviously, that has to go through a lot of FDA review and platforms like I believe Moderna's took, I want to say I read a couple of stories on this, like seven, eight years to go for into, into traction in that world. Like uh, this is a whole new world of like how to deliver these particular modern therapies. So my guess is a long road. Super excited, though, for both of these companies that YC is investing in biotech, which I think is one of the major, 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 major theses for the 2020s. We didn't get to talk about Milk Video, Alinea, UI Flow. There's a number of other really cool companies. So more to come on the site. We appreciate y'all. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. That is our show, but we are very, very lucky to have our own Jordan Crook here to tell us a little bit about our upcoming early stage event that I am incredibly excited about. So Jordan, at a high level, what is early stage and how is it different from other kind of TechCrunch events that people might know of? So unlike other TechCrunch events, we don't have a main stage at early stage. It's all breakout sessions all the time. So we have experts across fundraising, marketing, operations, essentially any question that your startup might have asked to be successful, these folks have the answer, and they're going to have plenty of time for audience Q&A. Awesome. And uh, I'm going to be doing a session with Ryan Azis, the CRO of Zoom, all about how to build a startup sales team. I'm very, very, very excited about that. Uh, Jordan, tell us more. Who else is coming? The lineup is insane, dude. So we have Tope Otona. He's the CEO and founder of Calendly. He's going to be nice. talking about bootstrapping, which he did very, very successfully up until recently. We also have Alexa Von Tobel talking about finance for founders, not just how to run your company's finances, but how to manage your own personal finances while you're starting a business, which I think is super, super important. Uh, we also have Keys Snailing Product Market Fit with Rahul Vora. Uh, from Superhuman. It should be just an outstanding lineup, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. We have a couple of sweeteners that we have in the mix. So Jordan, tell people in the equity audience what we have for them. 
So if you buy a ticket to early stage, you automatically get access to Extra Crunch. So it's kind of a double whammy when it comes to things startup founders need to know. And we're offering our equity audience a 20% discount. So if you use code equity at checkout when you're buying your early stage ticket, you're gonna get the most bang for your buck. All right, well, it's coming up in just a couple of weeks. So we'll see you all there. TechCrunch early stage coming in April. It's gonna be amazing. All right, bye.